Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them, and this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. So today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Angela sutters Bassard, the founder and CEO of Conquer Credit Management, Inc., who is known as a pioneer in the credit industry. With a passion to help people understand how to leverage their credit as a tool to create wealth and attain financial stability, Angela has continued to educate consumers and change lives daily for more than 25 years. Angela has also been an advocate for many nonprofit organizations, which is her life's passion, Kids Club USA, Valley Rescue Mission, the Fellowship of Inmates, groups of at-risk teens, college students, several California churches, transitional living homes, and battered women's shelters are all just some of the organizations that have benefited from Angela's education and support. In addition to running a successful company and contributing her support to many charitable causes, Angela is a dedicated wife and mother raising three sons, Justin, Jordan, and Julian. Thank you so much for being here today, Angela. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and yeah. talk about mamas. <laughs> I know. I'm very <laughs> excited. Um, so when you and I first met, um, Angela was actually doing a podcast for someone else, and they were talking, between, and her and I got to talking between segments, which is when I knew I needed you on the podcast, because uh-huh. um, not only is credit a topic that's really hard to navigate for most people, but you also have a really great story on how you built your success, mm-hmm. and I love your tips that you were sharing with me about how you've been teaching your kids about money and credit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's a constant thing, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. It never sure. stops until we get old. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so can you just share more about like your background leading up to um, finding Conquer Credit Management? Absolutely. Um, well, I think uh, part of it, you know, being a mom is, like you said, where we start. Mm-hmm. And um, I left home at a very early age. I was actually 16, mm-hmm. um, emancipated by the time I was 16, which if people don't know what that actually means mm-hmm. is that you actually go to the court system and you are considered an adult. So you can make decisions, you can get bank accounts, you can get a job, whereas mm-hmm. before, um, back when that was, we're not going to say how old I am, <laughs> but uh, back in that time, um, you had to be 18 to get a job. Okay. So, you know, I was able to get a normal job, um, get an apartment, do things that typically a 16-year-old, because they were a minor, mm-hmm. would not be able to do. Right. So um, I worked actually for a bank. I had three jobs. Um, I worked for a bank. I worked as a waitress. Mm-hmm. And I also worked as a receptionist at um, a BMW dealership. Oh, wow. But the biggest impression that I had was working for a bank, which was a savings and loan um, back in the day. There really aren't any savings and loans anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I learned a lot being there um, about lending, about finance, money, um, how people use use their money. I was very quick to move up in the company from being a receptionist to being an underwriter by the time I was almost 17. So I was underwriting loans when I was 17. So I was looking at people's finances, bank accounts, tax returns, things of that nature. And I was a very self-taught type person. Mm -hmm. I was very inquisitive when I was young. Um, So I learned a lot. And what happened was, is I went from, we were a subprime savings and loan company. Mm -hmm. So people would come to us that had troubled finances. Okay. So, you know, they already were kind of in trouble. So we had these programs that were called BCD programs. And what I would do is I would talk to these clients that were in the D program because can you believe back in the day that we used to have 19% interest rates on home loans? Yeah. I mean, you look today and it's what, three and a quarter, four and and a quarter percent. Can you imagine 19%? Yeah. 
So here we have these clients that are unfortunately being approved for those programs. And I'm saying to them, listen, if you do X, Y, and Z with your debt to credit ratio, if you fix these particular things on your credit report, you can then qualify for our B program. So as an underwriter, I was helping tons of clients do this. Wow. And one day my boss calls me into the office and says, Angela, I have to fire you. Oh. Well, why do you have to fire me? He says, you're saving too many of our clients' money. <laughs> so, um, so to make a long story short, um, of course, I was upset. You know, I was young, didn't really know what to do. But I really yeah. thought that, wow, this is a place where I can really help people. Because my life's mission has always been to be of service, mm -hmm. to help people. And I was demonstrating that in that job. And so what I decided to do was, wow, this is a great start of helping people with their credit. Now, back then, at that time, you know, we weren't really dealing with a FICO score. Mm -hmm. So FICO scores were not as um, prominent as they are now. Everything is based on the FICO score. Back then, it was really your whole credit history. Mm -hmm. So you had underwriters of banks and credit card companies and credit unions that were doing a lot more than they do now. Technology takes algorithms from your credit history and creates this thing called FICO. Mm -hmm. Before, you had to have people doing that. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, it, that's the difference. Is yeah, that, that's changed. Yeah, it's changed quite drastically. However you still have to manage the information that's on your credit report so that those algorithms that are coming together to give you that FICO score are correct. Right. So the FICO score takes into account the history. Absolutely. In addition to yeah, your credit your debt is, to credit ratio. Your credit is based on your habits mm. in so many words. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the FICO score is a derivative of, you know, how long you've had credit, how you've used your credit, um, how much interest you've paid to banks, um, how many times you've moved your address. There's a lot of different things that play into the FICO score. Okay. So for when when you kind of were fired from that job, yeah. <laughs> what did you do next? Was it, was it starting to build this company, building your own client base? And I know you run Conquer Credit Management with your husband, so I'm also wondering how that... Was he already in the financial world? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my husband actually really worked with at-risk teens. Oh, okay. So um, he's always been a big part of the community. Mm -hmm. um, as you may see on my bio, my husband is a pastor. Mm -hmm by trade. And, um, so he's always been in the world of helping people at a different type of level. Okay. So, um, when we first started this, um, I actually worked for a company that did this. Okay. And, um, quickly found out that what they were doing was not in line with my, um, my values and my goals. And so um, they didn't do exactly what we do today, but it was something in the range of helping people with their debt, which included helping people counsel them. So uh, it was really a debt management company where we helped people consolidate their debt, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And the company that I was working with was not very um, customer service centric. They didn't share the same values, the same goals that I did. And so talking to my husband, he was like, well, why, you know, why are you still there then? Because you have people that are calling you and, and need you and want your services. Mm -hmm. So I started from a little cardboard table <laughs> and a, um, you know, a little fold up chair mm -hmm. and I would write letters to creditors. I would call creditors. I would do you know, everything that we do now, I did A to Z by myself. Wow. Good for you. That's amazing. And you were yeah. so young. I was so young. And I remember when I bought my first computer and, you know, <laughs> it was back when, you know, computers are nothing like they are today. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you mean I don't have to write this stuff anymore? <laughs> you know, so yeah. it was like first computer, first printer, um, and then my husband uh, actually came off of his job 
um, pretty much I was doing this for about six years before mm-hmm. he came off his job. I called him one day and I was like, honey, this thing is growing out of control. I really need you mm-hmm. um, to be a part of this. And so he came off of his job and um, we became partners and we had a small staff. And then I had um, an investor actually approach me and say, I really think what you're doing is great and I'd like to make it bigger. Wow. Long story short, I went through the whole process with that and found out that we didn't align. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, is that I had already signed a lease for a 10,000 square foot office building and hired 50 employees. Oh my God. So um, talk about your failures actually teaching you a lot. Yeah. Um, And I can say that with confidence that um, although it was... uh, considered a failure it was a great lesson of mine mm-hmm. um so we moved out of our house that we were operating our business in into this huge office and tons of employees and I worked pretty much like almost 20 hours a day mm-hmm. barely saw my children and I did that for about three years and decided wow this is not what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I have so much respect for people that have these huge, amazing companies and have hundreds of employees mm-hmm. because I do understand what it takes to do that. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Um, and so we decided that we were going to do kind of a blood transfusion and we did it very organically and we did it the right way but we dummied down to about 10 people Mm -hmm. invested in some technology and um, we were still doing the same amount of business with less people wow yeah it was much better it was it was much better yeah because um, it's again this business and what we do number one is very is very tough Mm -hmm. you know when you're dealing with banks finances and the whole psychology behind people and their credit You know, I've had people say to me, I feel naked. I'm so ashamed. You know, all of the different emotions Mm -hmm. that come with, you know, your credit history. because And money in general. Absolutely. Because I said in the beginning, your credit equals your habits. And I think that people really align with that Mm -hmm. and understand that at, at its basic level. That when there is a credit problem, when I have made a mistake, like, shame on me. Mm -hmm. When, you know, don't. It's not a shame on you type thing. Things right. happen. Life happens. And thankfully, there are ways to get over whatever mistakes you've made. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, on that note, if so, when someone comes to you, what are they usually coming to you for? And what are kind of the first steps? Because when I'm thinking about credit and how you can build wealth with credit, I'm assuming you mean by, like, being able to build your assets, right? Absolutely. So um, how do people get started doing that with you? And what are some of the reasons they'll come to you for that? Well, um, as someone who built her business organically, I was a door knocker. Mm -hmm. And um, all of the relationships that I've made have been very organic. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been through time. I can honestly and proudly say that I've been working with people, the same people for over 20 years. Wow, that's incredible. And we have great relationships. Mm -hmm. They know we know and trust each other other. Um, and typically people come to me because they have a compelling event. Um, you know, whether it's someone that's having a baby and they want to buy a house or it's someone who wants to, um, get on the fire force and they know that they're going to do a background check and they've had some whoopsies in the past, (laughs) you know, or it's, um, someone who has had a bankruptcy and, you know, in the past and they really need guidance and counsel on how do I get over this and how do I overcome my past? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of different people and situations that arise on a daily basis and why people come to me. I have a lot of clients that come to me premarital. I have people that come to me that are going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all kinds of stages of life, I think, that people come here and need assistance. But at the end of the day, what I feel our job is here as a team, and I really, really am a strong believer in working as a team with my staff that Mm -hmm. I have here, is for us to create an experience for our clients where they come in here not knowing a lot and they leave knowing enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that credit is a wealth building tool because we are the only country that you can come into and we say, you know what? You have good credit. 
we're going to trust you. Mm-hmm. You want to buy that million dollar house and you have $10,000 to put down because you've proven through your credit history that you understand how to manage debt and cash flow, we're going to go ahead and give you a loan. Mm-hmm. In other countries, they don't do that. So, you know, we are, I will say that Canada does some of that. Mm-hmm. But most of the other countries don't do that. So we actually have an advantage as being U.S. citizens. And that our advantage is, is that we have a system that's called a leverage system. And if you use your credit as that tool, you can leverage yourself in the mm-hmm. U.S. to become very wealthy based off of your credit patterns and utilization. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people come here, one of the questions I ask them is, are you a business owner? Okay, if you're a business owner, are you using your own credit to build your business on your own back? Or are you using the U.S. system of corporate America's credit because there's business credit and there's personal credit? Mm -hmm. Make sure that your business credit assets are being built through your business and not being built through you personally and on your own back. And, and that's re- by having an EIN number, right? Is that's that how you correct. do that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And having a corporation. So right. someone would either have an LLC, a mm-hmm. C Corp, an S Corp, okay. things of that nature. And what I typically see is um, a lot of doctors, a lot of lawyers, you know, people that are sole proprietors that have these LLCs or have these S or C Corps, they're still building their businesses in their own credit. They're taking lines of credit from their home. They're refinancing their home to build their business. And again, we live in the U.S. where you don't have to do that Mm -hmm. because we have this amazing leverage system that if you can use it properly, you can do very well Mm -hmm. and build a business that has a cash flow and foundational system that is based on its own Mm -hmm. and not on you personally. Right. So people come to me for all kinds of of different reasons, but I would say the main one is what I just spoke about. The premarital things, um, I think it's great when people are coming together and understanding that, yes, we are going to, um, you know, unify, Mm -hmm. but it's very important that you maintain your separate credit identities. And the reason for that is, is a lot of things can happen. Unfortunately, sometimes divorce can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes someone gets ill Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Um, Maybe the the breadwinner of the relationship loses their job. There's a lot of different things that can come into play. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's important to keep your separate credit identities is for those particular reasons. Mm -hmm. Because if one has a poor credit history, you can rely on the other one to continue to live life while you fix the other one. Right. So is that something you actively have to do after you get married? Is is, is the government is the U.S. government, I guess, see you as one if you don't actively keep them separate? Is there something you have to do? No. Okay. So that's that's a good question because a lot of people think that when they get married, oh well, all of our everything is just going right. to come together, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't work like that. You actually you actually have a part that you play in doing that. Right. Okay. So what I tell people is, you know, whatever you've built already mm-hmm. keep it separate and you make decisions you have communication where okay we're going to buy a house so who has the most income mm-hmm. in our relationship they're going to actually put the house in their name but the other spouse is going to be on title right. so you own the house just as much as the other right. person but the loan is only in one of your names okay same thing with your cars there's no reason to get joint car loans okay okay it's just it doesn't it doesn't make sense okay credit cards same thing so you have your own credit cards you can put your spouse on as an authorized user but what you don't want to do is become a joint card holder okay and again the reason for that is let's just take some scenarios if someone gets a divorce it's a lot easier when you've maintained separate credit identities. Why is that? Because you've been paying your own bills, you know what's out there, you know what to expect. If you're a housewife and your husband does everything Mm -hmm. and manages all the debt and the bills, you have no idea what's going on. Right. And And then it can come to (laughs) bite you in the butt, right? (laughs) So, you know, we don't want that to happen. And in any relationship, that can happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just about maintaining your own credit identity 
throughout your life Mm -hmm. so that, you know, you may do uh, joint tax returns. Of course, you're going to have joint bank accounts, things of that nature. You are married, so you share things. But these are legal facilities um, credit Mm -hmm. that you don't want to commingle, okay, because of those reasons. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then when it comes to credit cards, um, when is the right time to use them? Because you know Natalia Benson. I I connected you guys, and and I'm taking her. I'm, like, part of her community. Um, It's called the Magical Women and Money Mm -hmm. Community, and it's it's helping everyone in it reestablish their relationship with money because Mm -hmm. people, I think, without realizing it, as they grow up and become adults, they'll either be very attracted to money, very excited about it, you know, welcome it into their lives and not be intimidated by it at all, but then there's a lot of people, too, who worry, if I have money, how am I going to manage it so then they kind of just like push it off they take jobs where they're paid less it's like they do things subconsciously that pushes money out of their lives and then they get into issues because they don't have any and so this is something that everyone in the group is working on is just reestablishing a positive relationship with it and not only welcoming it but then knowing how to use it yes so part of it is you know when she she talked about credit cards a little bit and I wanted to get your opinion on when to use them? Should they be like an everyday thing you pay off in full every month? Should they be just for big purchases you can pay off immediately? Like, should they be a part of your everyday life or that occasional big thing? So you're still building your credit and using it, but not solely relying on it. Like, what do you recommend? Well, I think part of what you're talking about and the spirit behind money Mm -hmm. is that what a lot of people don't understand is that money is just a tool, Mm -hmm. okay? And it's a tool that we get to use and that we're entrusted with to do something amazing with, Mm -hmm. okay? And so credit is really the same thing as money if we understand how to use it as a tool, Okay, Mm -hmm. so when you talk about credit cards, first and foremost, the most important thing to remember and understand is that you need to have at least two traditional credit cards. Now, the reason I say traditional is that a lot of people have an American Express card and they believe that to be a traditional credit card, but it is not. There's two kinds of debt. You have installment debt and you have revolving debt. Installment debt means that you have a contract your payment is the same, and it has a maturity date. American Express is considered an installment credit card because whatever you spend that month is due at the end of the month, Mm -hmm. okay? So you never have any high credit, and you have no algorithms that are being associated with that on cash flow. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when you have a revolving credit card, let's say your high credit limit is $10,000, and you use 30% of that $10,000. The algorithm of FICO can see that you're using 70, that you're using 30% and that you have 70% available. Mm -hmm. With the other card, the American Express, it's never showing what a high credit limit is and what you're using. It's only showing what you use on a monthly basis, okay? So it's important to have Visa, Master, Discover card, Mm -hmm. credit cards that you're utilizing and that you have two of them, Mm -hmm. okay? And the reason for that is, once again, credit is always looking for balance. Mm -hmm. And if you only have one credit card, it's kind of like if I give you a visual, um, you're on a seesaw. And Mm -hmm. no one's on the other side. Yeah. So you're just sitting there stagnant, right? Yeah. So you have this one credit card that you're doing maybe great things with, Mm -hmm. but it's not creating that balance for you. Okay. So you need to have at least two. Now, the key and the trick to this and these particular credit cards is that you have to use them once every 90 days. Okay. Okay. And the other rule of credit is that you want to use interest on your credit card at least two times a year. Now, what I'm talking about when I say interest is Mm -hmm. very simple. Let's say we're talking about that $10,000 credit card. You've used 30% of it. When the bill comes in, you're going to pay 80% of the bill. You're going to leave 20% to revolve and pay interest on that 20% the following month. Okay. Now, the reason why that's key and it's very important is that the banks are in the business to do one thing. And what do you think that is? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And so a lot of people think that, oh, you know what? I'm such a good girl or boy. I pay my credit card off every month and I don't owe anything and I'm such a great customer. 
well, that couldn't be further from the truth. And the reason that you have to think about it this way Mm -hmm. is that who has the risk in the relationship? You or the bank? Well, the bank does. Mm -hmm. Because again, remember what I said? We live in the U.S. and they say, we're going to trust you. Yeah. So this bank said, we're going to trust you with $10,000. But because we're going to trust you, we also need you to work our system the right way. Okay. And that is, we need you to pay us interest on a yearly basis because otherwise, what good are you to us? Mm-hmm. You're more of a risk than an asset if you're not paying us our interest. Got it. Wow. That's so interesting. I've literally never heard that before. Yeah. So yeah. that is yeah. very valuable. It can be the difference between having a 720 score mm-hmm. and having an 800. Wow. Yeah. It's that big of a difference. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that brings me to this idea that I I put in the script, but I wasn't sure how much you like focus on it, I guess, is the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it, but my friend is obsessed with this idea. Like he's just feels like this has unlocked the key to life of what Robert Kiyosaki is saying in his book, which is basically living off loans and using your credit to build wealth like that he has he doesn't he only has income producing assets so I wanted to get your take on it because when my friend was explaining it to me and and he like showed me all these videos and everything I was just like this seems scary like to do something like this and to live this way um it also seems like a lot more work having just a ton of income producing assets because then you're managing a lot like so I just wanted to understand it a little bit better and get your take on it absolutely I think that's a great question and um I think there's a happy medium to everything okay because you've got Robert Kiyosaki who's saying one thing and you've got Dave Ramsey saying another Mm -hmm. right so Dave Ramsey's philosophy is to never have any debt Now, we can't, and sorry, Dave, if you're listening to this, (laughs) it's not that I disagree with you because most Americans can't handle debt. Yeah. Okay? It's about us having accountability when we step into the world of understanding that our credit is an investment tool to build wealth, that we have an opportunity that most don't have Mm -hmm. to leverage our position. Okay? So I come in between those two leaders And I say, you guys both have some great philosophies. Mm -hmm. However, the middle has got to be the truth. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it's about what you can handle. Mm -hmm. Okay? Absolutely do I agree 100% with Robert Kiyosaki and the fact that he's leveraging everything and he is building an empire based off of leverage. Mm -hmm. There was an old movie that Danny DeVito was in and it was called Other People's Money. Mm -hmm. Well, this is his philosophy Mm -hmm. is that he is building his assets on other people's money. And let me tell you, that's really smart. Mm -hmm. And we have the ability to do so. But what I would say is, now let's swing over to David Ramsey. David Ramsey literally says that debt is a curse. And that, you know, why would we even want to put ourselves in harm's way Mm -hmm. and have a credit card that we're going to have to pay interest back to? Now, again, it's not that I don't disagree with his philosophy because most people are not accountable to understand. And let's get real. Financial literacy is at an all-time low. Yeah. This is my passion is to help people become financially literate. Mm-hmm. It is very important. And this has nothing to do with, you know, people say, well, what do you mean by that? Are you calling me an illiterate person? Oh, of course I'm not calling you that. But here's the thing. No one came to us in high school or yeah. college and said, you know what? This is what annual percentage rate means. Mm-hmm. Okay. APR, you hear it everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. No one said, this is what fractional investing is. Mm-hmm. No one told me how to read a real estate contract. You know, all of these different essential things that you, once you actually are starting to live life and using the leverage system, come into play. Right. And what happens is, and what Dave is saying versus what Robert is saying, is that Dave is saying most people don't read those contracts. They get into life and they overload themselves with debt and they don't have a plan. Mm -hmm. So what I say, I'm going to bring myself in the middle of these two. (laughs) What the real credit queen says is they're both right. Yeah. Why are they both right? Is because you have to know what it is that you're doing 
you have to have a plan and you have to understand the different credit facilities that you're taking on and have a plan in five years how you're going to pay them off, mm -hmm. how you're going to stay ahead of them. Otherwise, if you don't have a plan, then you plan to fail. Right. And so both philosophies are absolutely correct in their own way. Mm -hmm. But it comes down to the individual and them being able to handle what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? Absolutely. No, that's... It's always just confused me as to why we're not taught this yes. um, in high school. I think that's such a crucial time. If not, then, I mean, high school for sure, because most people go to high school versus college. But I would say, like, yeah, you go out into the real world and you sign leases for apartments. You sign all of these things and you don't really know. You sign up for credit cards and you don't even know what all of this really means. So... And your plan sometimes could just be, I'll figure it out when I need to. You That's know, right. you push it off, which is definitely a world I live in for a lot of things, which isn't good. And I'm working back away from that now. But um, especially... Well, and I think that what happens, too, is that because of the misrepresentation by banks mm -hmm. and because of the misunderstanding from consumers, and there is no one saying, hey, this is you know what you're doing, right. is that most people look at credit or credit cards as another means of cash. Right. So if I have $50,000 worth of credit cards, that means I have $50,000 extra cash. Mm -hmm. No. Right. Okay, because if you have that philosophy, then that's where Dave comes in, and he's right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Yeah. Because that's what Robert's saying. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, no, I have to be smart enough to know, okay, I have access to $50,000, but what does that mean for me? Okay, so I have access to $50,000. These are the things that I want to do. What's my plan to pay those back? Right. Exactly. Because I don't want to owe them forever. Yeah. Because then the interest will kill you. <laughs> and compound interest is what will really kill you. Yeah. You so. know, when you look at a student loan mm -hmm. that you take out. And a lot of students, what I teach and train, all of my students that I talk to, is listen, did you know that you could start making principal payments on your student loans while you're still in school? Even if it's 20 or $100, mm -hmm. start doing it now. Yeah, because that's you're gonna not getting take interest away. yet until Absolutely. you graduate. Yeah. And that's going to take away from what you're going to owe once you graduate. Do you understand the difference between deferment and forbearance? Most kids don't yeah. understand these things, you know? So it's really about self-educating yourself. And the great news is, is that there's a plethora of information out there now. You have to be careful about who you get the information from mm -hmm. because the two leaders that I just talked about are, you know, very well known. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not that I'm saying that what they're saying is bad, but it, what I think is bad is to just listen to one source. Totally. I, I was just going to say like, you could find a trusted source, but you still have to get a second opinion, get a third opinion, do your due diligence beyond just that one person. Even if you feel so aligned with them, like my friend. Yes. He was like, can I come in and do this podcast with you guys? I was like, no, because he'll hijack <laughs> the whole conversation about Robert. <laughs> But um, I agree. He's like, it's put all your eggs in one basket. It's find the balance of what you're capable of handling. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. It was, that's, so then how are you teaching your kids? Because you have two sons who are both out of high school, right? I have two sons then, that are, well, I have one that just graduated okay. from college. Okay. Um, but he was in, he was at LA Film School. So mm -hmm. he was, um, he graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Film. Cool. Okay. Very proud of him. And then I have a 22-year-old, which is in his last year of college, and he's mm -hmm. a basketball player. Okay. And then I have an eight-year-old. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yes. um, the way that I teach my kids is by talking to them. Mm -hmm. um, I will never forget. I mean, I've had many memorable conversations with clients because one of the things that I really love about what I do and I truly love what I do is that I get to have conversations that matter with people every single day. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it's important for me to understand where they're coming from mm -hmm. so that I can give them a different perspective. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, so with my kids, Kids, I just talk to them and I've shown them the way. You know, I think that it's one thing if you just tell someone something, 
but when you actually show them and they get to use the muscle of what you show them, I think they learn a lot more that way. Mm -hmm. So when our kids were young, we set them up with checking accounts. We set them up with a credit card. We added them as an authorized user to our credit cards so that they would start to use the muscle of understanding money, of understanding credit, so that when they're on their own, there's no questions asked. Mm -hmm. They have been using it, they understand the system because they've been using it since they were 16. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of parents make mistakes where they want to cover their children and handle everything for them. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad for a lot of parents that unfortunately when their children are in their 30s, they're now making mistakes because they were never taught. Mm -hmm. And I've had many different um, young adults come to me who've had parents that were stockbrokers or, you know, I was just talking to a girl yesterday where her dad was the CEO of a bank. And when I'm having these conversations with her, she knows nothing. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking in my head, your dad is the CEO of a bank and you don't even know what compound interest is, yeah. you know, but who am I to judge? The thing is, is that the bottom line is, is that in a lot of homes in America, it takes two working parents to make things work, to mm -hmm. keep food on the table, mm -hmm. to pay for your cars or whatever it is. And so it leaves little time for them to teach their children about this very basic and so important element of life, which is about money. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I tell people that the greatest gift that you can give your children is the gift of financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And even if it's just the basics of what you know. And if you're a parent and you don't know, get out there and learn. Mm -hmm. Understand yourself. Have your conversations with your young child. You know, my uh, eight-year-old is super excited because I have taught him, okay, 80% of what you give, I, I mean, what you get, excuse me, we're going to go ahead and put away because you don't have any bills <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and 10% you get to use and do whatever you want with. Mm -hmm. And the other 10% we're going to give away. Mm -hmm. And he has a great time doing that. We'll be at a coffee shop and he'll see, you know, someone who, um, you know, may be in need. Mm -hmm. And he'll say, Mommy, I'm ready. I, I Give me my 10% because I want to <laughs> give it to so-and-so. And I'm That's like, so great. You know? Yeah. And, you know, so you you teach your children the basics of you know, money and how it works. And I'm a big believer of paying it forward. Mm -hmm. And I, t I tell him every time that he gives it to someone in need, I say, you know what? You just paid into your bank account. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, what bank account is that? I said, it's called favor. Mm -hmm. So the next time you need it and you don't have any money, maybe that's going to be late in life. You've built up this huge reservoir mm -hmm. where you'll be able to have access yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it makes it more fun for them from a young age too, which is oh, I yeah. think really good. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, cause I set up an account when I was little, um, I think I was like 10 when my parents, maybe nine when my parents set up a bank account for me, but definitely not a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> definitely didn't learn about that. Um, but it is, it's just so important for us to be working on that now. And even as a parent, when your kids are still young, you still have a little bit of time to do it, but I think it is definitely better before you have kids because also financial planning for children getting your financial literacy up for that purpose is important. Um, but then you're passing on these really good habits and kids grow up with that financial literacy and they don't have to wonder because that is really scary when you first go out on your own. Even in college when you still don't really have many expenses as much as, you know, when you're a full-blown adult and you have to pay the water bill and the electricity right. bill and all those other things, um, which you might have to do in college. Some people do live on their own. But a lot of... Yeah. Students do. Yeah. They live off campus. So they're, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it is, yeah, it's, I just, I wish that I had had that, but I'm, I'm learning it now. I just opened a Roth IRA account, which I'm really Good excited for you. about. Good for you. Yeah. My friend's a financial advisor and she was actually on the podcast last year. So cool. um, she talked about that and how helpful it is to start younger because then you have to save less over time and you'll have more when you're yes. like 62, then if you start when you're 40, you have to double or triple how much oh, you're saving yeah. each year. Accelerate. Yeah. yeah. And believe it or not, in the U.S., the average age that someone starts planning for their retirement is 50. Oh, my God. Yes. That's really late. And the reason for that is, is that a lot of people don't start thinking about it until they get into the middle of their winter years. Mm -hmm. And now it's like a have to, you know? Yeah. It's not a get to. 
But when you look at things as a get to and not a have to, you're planning better. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love is when I am talking to a parent who has children and we're trying to massage their understanding about money Mm -hmm. and I say, yeah, teach this to your children. What I've always got the comment back of is, Thank you for telling me to do that because now I have this accountability because mm-hmm. the children don't let up. Right. They see you doing something and they're like, uh, mommy, <laughs> why are you using that credit card? Because you told me. <laughs> bloopity bloop bloop bloop. And, and That's they're amazing. like, That's you know, amazing. yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know? So it, it not only teaches and trains us as adults to be more accountable, but the thing about children is, is that there's this saying that, um, I don't know who made it up, but I, I live by it. I think it's amazing. And it, and it goes, what you do speaks so loud. I can't hear what you say. Mm. So a lot of people are about, well, you do this and you do that, but they don't do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm from the philosophy. I'm going to follow what you do, Mm -hmm. not what you say. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a big thing. Yeah, the whole do as I say, not as I do thing. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 100%. Your actions speak louder than words. Yes. Um, Well, thank you so much. I wanted to just also lastly touch on, you mentioned um, the last time we spoke about your self-care and your wellness, managing a business, having your three sons. So how do you kind of find that for yourself and... And find that balance in your life. (laughs) I'm still trying to find that balance. Let me tell you. Um, I I told my friend the other day, she was like, do you ever get sleep? And I was like, girl, I'll sleep when I'm dead. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But, you know, sleep is really important. Yeah. And um, I think self-care for me most importantly is our mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, about what you fill your mind with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a practice every single morning that I meditate. Um, oh, good. Um, that's you know, great. for me, um, I read the word. So that's my meditation. Mm-hmm. And I have um, positive affirmation that is being poured into my spirit because mm-hmm. on a daily basis, we are being presented with problems. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, when you wake up in the morning, your first problem is, when am I going to get in the shower? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to work out? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to brush my teeth? Mm-hmm. And it's all about the problems that we get to solve on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I go back to what I said, because as my husband always says this, is he says, it's not about a have to. It's about a get to. Because every single morning, we get to wake up and push the reset button, start yeah. over. Because whatever happened yesterday, you can't control that and you mm-hmm. can't take it back. Mm-hmm. But you get a fresh new start today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just shifting that perspective. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people and why depression is at an all-time high, you know, and I hate to say it, but why suicide is at mm-hmm. an all-time high is that a lot of people fill their mind with regret. Mm-hmm. They fill their mind with what happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. They fill their mind with failures and things that they haven't done instead of saying, today is a new day and I get to write a new script Mm -hmm. and really running with that philosophy. And I think for me, wellness is that. It's about your mind because our mind is the thing that makes our hands move Mm -hmm. and makes our mouth speak, you know, Mm -hmm. the issues of our heart are mm-hmm. coming out of our mouth and our, our mind is aligned with our heart. Mm-hmm. And so if we can get our mind straight, so many other things in life will fall in line. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do this part of that course I was telling you about. Um, she does something called EFT tapping and it's to help re, um, break old patterns and, and break, um, ways cyclical ways that you're stuck of in thinking about mm-hmm. certain things that are could be negative and part of it though is recognizing how everything you did brought you to where you are now yes and that you have to it's like the common thing she says is you love honor and forgive yourself absolutely and like that I think is so important like you said people get caught up in regret they get caught up in things that have happened in the past and it truly prevents them and only them mm-hmm. from moving forward that does like you're angry at someone else for doing something. They, they're, they're, they've moved on. They're Absolutely. living their life. Like you have to too. You owe that to yourself. You owe. 
only live once. And like, I love just like shifting that perspective that you get to not a have to, like you get to move on. You get to start this day fresh. You get to forgive too, because forgiveness is a big thing. I, I always have this visual that I give people that are having a hard time letting go and forgiving. Mm -hmm. It's like a dog being chained to a bus bench. Mm -hmm. And what is a dog's, you know, first thing they're going to do when a bus comes by. They're going to want to chase that bus, <laughs> right? We have things we want to chase in our life. But what happens is a dog is chained to the bus stop. And that's unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Every time we want to run towards something, because we have unforgiveness in our heart, we never get to the end because we haven't forgiven mm-hmm. and let go. Mm-hmm. So there's something that always stops us. Yeah, And it's like that dog. As soon as he's going after that bus... Bang! He gets yanked right back to the bus stop. Right. And that's what, you know, not forgiving ourselves first. Mm -hmm. When you can see to forgive yourself of your past errors, maybe something you didn't know. Listen, if you could have done better, you would have done better. Right. You know, there's these things you just didn't know. Right. Everyone's doing their best. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about, like, I love what you're doing because... You're going out there and you're empowering people, you're empowering women, you're talking to people about, you know, different issues that are coming up. You're learning yourself, mm-hmm. but you're being a light to oh, those. thank you. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what life is all about, is being a light to others. Because when we're a light to others, then we get more light. Yeah, absolutely. Just like your son, who's mm-hmm. building up that reservoir. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. I just have three final questions I ask everyone. The first one I think we just may have answered. Okay. But what mantra or words do you like to live by? It might be what your husband likes to say. <laughs> um, I mean, the mantra that I like to live by is right there. Just breathe. Just breathe. Yeah. You know, uh, a long time ago, I went to a breathing class. Oh, cool. And I didn't realize how much I didn't breathe, Mm -hmm. how much I held my breath, (laughs) and that I learned that if I would just breathe, Mm -hmm. anytime something I'm presented with, it gives me a minute to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Taking a beat, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, and then next is we all know it takes a village to raise kids. So what do you most value in your community? Who's helping you raise your kids or has helped you? Um, you know, I really believe that, um, parents have different philosophies and I am really big on considering, you know, I may not know everything, but I can consider how someone else raises their child. Mm -hmm. And I surround myself with, I believe, like-minded parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And my kids, believe it or not, um, for the last, I don't know, 15 years, we've grown up around the same families. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of like-mindedness that is going on. But I believe that I can trust them to pour into my kids because I believe that everything that we say is a seed. Mm -hmm. And it's going to grow. And someone else is going to water it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a parent, I'm continuing to plant seeds in my kids. And I do realize that, you know, a lot of kids, when they listen to their parents, it's like Charlie Brown, right? <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but because I'm planting those seeds, maybe one of my friends will say something that I already said, mm-hmm. but because they're not listening to me and they hear it, that's watering the plant that I already, yes. the, the seed that I already planted. I like that. Yeah. The community component of parenting Mm -hmm. um is something that I am very focused on right now just just ruminating in my head like who's going to be around my future kids and what what influence will they have on them and surrounding myself with people who I can trust I think that's so important to think about it is very important yeah and it's very important you know this is of no fault of you know, parents that do this, but I'm a big proponent of not enabling my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll never forget just a really quick story. My son is in soccer, my Mm eight-year-old, and the soccer coach is really tough. He's from Australia and he yells at these kids and he tells them, you're not doing this right, (laughs) you know, and he, and, and all of the parents have a problem with it. And I stood up and I said, listen, guys, these kids are going to grow up and they're going to have real life. Mm-hmm. And if they can't handle a little yelling from a coach 
who's trying to teach and train them how to kick the ball and how to listen to the referees, Mm -hmm. they're going to have a hard time in life. Yeah. So I want to tell you, Mr. Coach, you can yell at my kid anytime you want. (laughs) I am not taking offense to it. Yeah. And I think that we have gotten to this place where, you know, everybody's a winner. I don't believe in that. Yeah. Because then there's no, I'm a, I'm a real, um, I, I like a challenge. Yeah. You know, so I, I love competition. Mm-hmm. And, but that's how I grew up. But these kids nowadays, they're not growing up with competition mm-hmm. because everybody's saying, oh, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. No, we're not. Yeah. You know, that's what makes you us have all to work great. For it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I like that about parents that I mm-hmm. surround myself with is let's not enable our kids. Let's totally. keep it real. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. I think that's really good. Um, and then the last question is, what qualities do you most admire that you're working to instill in your children or already have for your older sons that you see now them putting into their daily lives? I think that integrity and character are at the top of my list with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Show up. Mm-hmm. Never lie. Mm-hmm. Tell the truth. You know, if you made a mistake, own it. Mm-hmm. You know, your mistakes are going to teach you and train you in life. Yeah. And I can tell you, and I tell my kids this all the time, as someone who leads others, I have way more respect for people that come to me and say, you know what? I made a mistake. How can I not make that mistake next time? Mm -hmm. Teach me. You're older than me. You know, the, the wisdom that comes from older people, you know, one of the things that my husband and I do is we go, um, to assisted living homes sometimes Mm -hmm. and. We just talk to the older people and Mm -hmm. the stories that they tell you and the wisdom that they have. These people have lived 90 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think they know a thing or two, right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. But this generation of children, they don't think we know anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was there, like, my mom doesn't know crap, Mm -hmm. right? But I've taught my children, listen to the elders Mm -hmm. because they're not going to steer you wrong. Absolutely. They have so much to tell. I... Yes, I've, in the past few years, really have thought about that more as my grandparents have been getting older, is just to, like, talk to them and listen to their stories and things like that, because you're also never going to get that back, so no. mm-hmm. um, I think that's really integrity. Yeah. yeah that's that's good. Um, well, thank you. This has been awesome. I've Great. taken up too much of your time, but no, I loved our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to let people know, I'll include it in the podcast notes, but where people can find you. Yes, you can find me online by going to conquercredit.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, just my name. And I also do a podcast of my own, mm-hmm. which is called Your Credit Today. And mm-hmm. it's on iTunes and Spotify. So amazing. Yeah. Yes. I will refer people to all of that because that's some valuable info. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and share it with a friend. Check out the podcast notes for the links we mentioned in our conversation and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. Thanks for listening.